Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are absolutely in the right place. Let's see what the buzz is today. Okay, I have a quote from a writer named Iona Sima on digitalistmag.com at SAP. And here's the quote. Listen up. By 2020, there will be 250 million, that's right, IoT-connected cars on the world streets. If you've been hiding under a rock or under the hood of a car, IoT is Internet of Things. Think sensors. Think information think data coming in and going somewhere what are we doing with it so let's talk vehicle connectivity will have a massive and positive effect on everything we know that's our communities our environment and our quality of life every day everywhere translating connected vehicle world trends into consumable devices and usable data is the challenge guess what this is a great opportunity for young, talented, future employees, think high school, think college, coming into the workforce to help transform the automotive industry. This is such a fascinating topic. We're dividing it into two parts today. First up in the first half, we will talk about how the connected car will change our world. And then the second half, we'll talk about a lack of young talent in the industry. And I'm going to flip that into a positive, the opportunities for young talent in the automotive industry. So first half will be self-contained. I'm going to Welcome two very interesting gentlemen, Joe Barkai, industry analyst and author of The Outcome Economy, and I'm also welcoming Jim Davis, director of the Americas for the SAP Automotive Industry Business Unit at SAP. Let's start off with their opening quotes. Joe Barkai is looking back in time to 1988 to a GM commercial done by the Leo Burnett Agency. And by the way, Joe, I looked up the, uh, the origins of this commercial, and it was written partly by, there were two parts to it, Stefan Post. P-O-S-T-A-E-R in the advertising business wrote the second part of it. The commercial is, this is not your father's Oldsmobile, and there was a second part to it, and I'll find that in a minute. Joe Barkai, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, Bonnie. Good to be back. Thank you. Here's the deal. Joel Machak, M-A-C-H-A-K, wrote the famous line, and this person, Stefan Poster, wrote the tagline, the new generation of olds. And, Joe, do you remember that they started with a famous person and his, whoever it was, his daughter as the new generation? Yes? Yeah, it, it was William Shatner, yes, and his daughter, and I think this was her first and last appearance as an actress, I think. <laughs> yes, and there were reasons for that, but we won't go into that because this is not an X-rated show. They also had Ringo Starr's purple-haired daughter, and they had Dave Brubeck's brothers. Did you know that? No, I did not know that part, but I do know, I do remember your reference to the um, you know, X-rated radio show. I do remember that reference. <laughs> the TV commercial. Yeah, they had to use a little tape. Let's just leave that one alone. Joe Barkai, welcome. It's been way too long. Talk to me about why are we talking about this is not your father's Oldsmobile. Go ahead, Joe. Right. And so it's, 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 this commercial that was very successful as a commercial became almost like um, a tagline. And we use this expression again and again and again to, generate, to, to connote a major change. But I chose it really not so much because there's a new generation of, of um, car technology, although at the time GM was trying to push the, I think it was the Cutlass Supreme 
not that it helped them much. Um, mm-hmm. a failure. Uh, but again, I didn't choose it because it's about new generation of, of, of car technology, nor because it's a new generation of buyers. Although, again, I think that the, con- the connotation of new generation is very important to our today's discussion. Mm-hmm. I really chose it because I believe that everything is changing nowadays. It's much more than just technology, even connectivity. And as impressed as I am by the number of connected cars, I think it's much more profound than that. Everything is changing Technologies such as electric vehicles and connectivity are just kind of one part of this change. The entire value chain is changing. We have new car makers that make Detroit nervous, although parenthetically I would say many of them would go nowhere. They will not go into production. We have new low-tier suppliers, especially from semiconductors, Intel and Qualcomm. They've never been in the business. Again, making Detroit nervous. Outsiders mm-hmm. influence the entire conversation. They really come up with new narrative, uh, but they have slow impact on, on the market. Uh, and the overall com- conversation about the role of ecosystem partners is, is really a huge part of where the industry is going. So everything is changing, not only the cars. Very, very interesting. And by the way, I owned a Cutlass Supreme Brome back in the day, Joe, and it was absolutely gorgeous, just gorgeous. The interior and the striping on the outside, the upholstery, it was just, it was just magnificent. So now I'm sports cars only, but hey, that was my last big car. Joe Barkai, always a pleasure to speak with you. And just hang tight. Let me introduce our second guest, your co-panelist today, Jim Davis at SAP Automotive Industry Business Unit. And Jim, Jim and I don't know each other well, but we have been on email with each other through this show for a long, long time. Jim sent us a quote from a gentleman named Huno, J-U-N-O-T Diaz, born in 1968, a Dominican-American writer, creative writing professor at MIT and fiction editor at Boston Review. We'll just leave it there. Here's the quote. I guess I'm just hopelessly fascinated by the realities that you can assemble out of connected fragments. Wow, Jim Davis. I don't know whether this is poetry or an opera or a ballet. How are you, Jim? (laughs) Very, very good. How are you? I'm well. Thanks for asking. Talk to me about this quote and what in the world does it have to do with connected cars? I'm interested. Yeah. So, you know, I... I think I think the the key piece in here is assemble out of connected fragments, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the way I look at this is, you know, mobility. And I, you know, I work in the automotive industry, and I focus on the automotive industry. But this is so much bigger, as Joe, you know, alluded to that that this is so much bigger than the automotive industry, right? It's about mobility, and it is in transition. Um, and we are just at the beginning, right? And everything is very, very fragmented, right? We have n- new entrances into the race for case, right? Connected, mm-hmm. autonomous, shared, electrified. Um, we've got, you know, behemoth players, you know, hundred-year-old companies that are that are in this uh, in in the OEMs. Um, we have new entrances. What we do know is this is a major disruption, right? Um, many are going to play in this space, um, but many will shrink, many will grow, many will outright fail. Um, and, you know, there are going to be great ideas that are going to rise to the top. Um, you know, they're going to morph, they're going to combine. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the companies with the best ideas won't always win, right? Um, I think, uh, and Joe alluded to it a little bit, we've got a lot of new, new entrants to, to, to the market. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a com- combination of new ideas, 
um, and the ability to execute on those ideas and still be, you know, nimble enough to react to new innovations. So I, I think we're, 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 you know, we're, we're right at the beginning of, of something, you know, something pretty incredible. And it's, it's really going to come together out of these little fragments of innovation. Um, and, you know, where is it going to go? Uh, nobody knows. Not yet. We don't know. Interesting question. I just want to pose a quick question for first Jim and then Joe. Does the consumer really care about all this? We're talking, I think, at almost an industry level here. Uh, we're talking about connectivity and IoT. Is this transparent? Is this obvious to the consumer, Jim? Do, do people listening say, oh, gee, can't wait to get my connected car. This is going to be a while. They say, hey, just give me a car that performs, that may be nice to the environment, that fits in my garage, or maybe I'll go into car sharing. How, how much does the consumer actually care? Or is this more industry focused right now? You know, I I, I think it's it's just like any new innovation or new new technology, right? You're, you've got the early adopters who are kind of geeking and geeking out about you know certain certain things, and they're very aware. But then you've got a you know a large portion of the market that's just you know that that you know let's say interacts within the ecosystem, right? Whatever that ecosystem may be. Um, but the good, like I said, you know, the good ideas are going to bubble to the top and uh, interesting things that bring value to consumers will start to change their behavior. They'll, they'll start to move to, um, you know, whatever, you know, fits them lifestyle-wise or economically or... Um, you said you know, it. What, you nailed it. Whatever starts to change their behavior. That's what I was looking for. Let me get... Thank you, Jim. Joe Barkai, thoughts on that, please? Yeah, well, first of all, I think all new cars are connected. So I think we should kind of stop counting cars. All cars are connected because they're features that require connectivity. Regulations okay. will get there. That's not an important number. It's very impressive, but it's not important. So it's not about the connections or the conduits, but rather the content of the data that flows through this. So this goes mm-hmm. back to the point you just were talking about, which is the value. So what is the value that the consumer gets from having a connected car? And until we focus on the content and the value, uh, the audience would just kind of remain lukewarm about their attitude. Um, part of this discussion is also who pays for it. And Bonnie, you and I, I had a conversation in the past about the business models and the digital identity of the drivers. So mm-hmm. long as the OEMs continue to charge for services that consumers have anyway, again, connectivity will not provide the right value equation for the consumer. Um, so part of it is really what are the business models that we use in order to communicate and deliver the value in, in connectivity. So let's not count cars. Um, let's count content and service providers that deliver value to consumers. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. Very well done. Uh, quick question for each of you. We're not going to go too deep into this today, but Joe Barkai, where are you calling from and what's your favorite drink? Then we'll do Jim and then we'll quickly dive into our roundtable so we can make this discussion very, very, very deep within the next 15 minutes. So, Joe, where are you and what's your favorite drink? So I'm calling out of my home office outside of Boston. Uh, favorite drink really depends on time of day. We usually talk about coffee here. But today mm-hmm. was my small contribution to global operations and collaboration. <laughs> By that, I mean that uh, it's one of the days where I start very early to have conference calls with China and India. So I'm past my uh, coffee time, although I do have a backup. Uh, I think it's Pete's coffee. Uh, and I have just clear water to take me through the conversation today. You're, you're copying me. That's no fair, Joe. I'm supposed to be the only one with water. Thank you. Jim Davis, where are you today and what's in your cup? Tell me. 
Yeah, so I'm I'm calling from you know the automotive powerhouse uh, city of Columbus, Ohio. Um, that's a little tongue in cheek. Um, and what's in my <laughs> cup? It's uh, it's a custom mix of uh, Starbucks Verona dark decaf and Dunkin' Donuts hazelnut. So, Whoa! And who cool. makes the custom mix? Is that something you do in a coffee maker at home, or you just take a half a cup of each and you pour them together? I it 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 goes in it goes into the filter half and half. So. There, I've, I've never heard that one before. This is the first time a Starbucks and a Dunkin' Donuts together in one. Very interesting. Thank you, Jim. You can come back on the show anytime. I like that. <laughs> and they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on Tuesdays because I'm doing two shows almost back to back. And this is the first one. And we're doing two shows out of one show right now. So this is fascinating. Yes, just cool, clear water and a cool, clear mug. I'm in Durham, North Carolina. And guess what? There is so much fog here right now that when I opened my bedroom window, I couldn't see outside to the pond, which is about 30 feet behind my house. Couldn't see the pond, and I couldn't even see the screens on my back porch from the living room. That's how foggy it is. So there you go. It will it will uninvert soon. So here we go. So now it's time for our roundtable. No breaks because we are just barreling through here. Joe Barkai, I'm going to read one of your statements, and let's get you to do a, a two-minute dive, and then we'll get Jim's comments, and then we'll go to one of his. You say connected cars is a general term for cars with advanced safety features. ADAS and eventually autonomous but still connected cars promise let me just read a little bit reduced road fatalities uh, reduced pollution and traffic and transit optimization this is something consumers care about Joe is this here now or is it still coming no it's certainly still coming uh, in part because it takes time for those um, technologies to implement it ADAS, uh, as a general class of safety features, is really making its way slowly into cars. So if you buy a car today, you have many features that we in the industry classify as ADAS. Things such as blind spot warning, lane departure, um, responsive cruise or automatic cruise control, etc., etc. So they're coming in little by little. Uh, and as we get to enough cars on the roads, which is a very, very important point to make, we'll start seeing some impact on uh, fatalities. Uh, as even though these are not necessarily electric cars, it's likely that in the same time we'll get some electric cars, we'll get the density of electric cars increased, so we'll see some reduction in pollution. But I need to emphasize a number of points here. First, this is true for urban areas, primarily for the coastal cities. Uh, if we look at the entire population of cars in the U.S. or, or, or economies such as India and China, the, the, the penetration rate is not going to be the same. So that's one point. We'll take, it'll take time to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Um, to see more, both improvement in safety and reduction in pollution. Um, I did send the math a while ago. The average age of cars in the U.S. is nearly 12 years, and, and the cars are getting older yeah. because baby boomers are not buying as many as before. Cars are reliable, so there's no need to buy new cars. So the fact that we talk about so many millions of connected cars and safe cars is nice, but there are also going to be so many non-connected or, or less safe um, cars. And I often, when I present on a topic, I I joke, I say, you know, I'm I'm from Boston. So Mm -hmm. I'm really, really worried about the time, and it's going to be a long time, where we see a combination of smart cars and stupid drivers on the road. Uh, And this is not going to be funny. So it'll be a while before we see the positive impact uh, of of connected cars. One last quick point is about traffic uh, and and transit optimization reduction in congestion. In theory, this might happen, but at the same time, there's another kind of competing school of theory, which means 
which says that there's, if there's more if there's more demand, or I'm sorry, there's more supply, there'll be more demand. Mm-hmm. In other words, if we reduce congestion, we free up the highways and more drivers will get on the highway. So we may not see this very, very um, soon. Thank you very much. I'd love to get Jim Davis's comments on this. Jim, agree or disagree? What do you see? Yeah, I, you know, I think the things that, that Joe brings up are, you know, are right on spot, right? So, you know, the urban, the urbanization, you know, piece, we've, we've have a high concentration, um, of people in the cities. I think that's where we'll, we'll see a lot of these things. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, the elements that, that he brings up also is, is interesting around, you know, the old cars versus, you know, the new, newer, more connected, more capable cars and, and the impact on safety, right? So, um, and, the ability for people to afford those new cars is 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 going to drive adoption. That's where I see you know a lot of companies starting to make changes in their business models. Right, um, you know, at new entrants, uh, for example, you know, Waymo um, mm-hmm. is is looking at the autonomous. Let's let's call it the Uber or Lyft type of business model. Um, you know, this this takes you know the the initial investment that a that a millennial needs to do uh, um, to gain mobility. Again, not buy a car, but gain mobility to you know essentially down to zero. Um, we're seeing companies look at subscription business models where. You know, for a single price, for a monthly fee, you get access to a vehicle um, that includes maintenance, it includes insurance, it includes, you know, access to not just a single vehicle, but a, a, a range of vehicles uh, in many cases. So, you know, again, it, it, it takes an upfront fee. Uh, it, you know, it still takes a financial commitment, but it's a lot less of a commitment than a traditional lease or vehicle ownership. So... You know, I, 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 I see. You know, I, I agree with the things that, that that Joe says. I think there there will be some creative things that are, that will hopefully, I think, speed the transition um, and maybe get some of those old clunkers um, uh, off the road that are that are less capable, less safe. Oh, my little 350Z, the one that came out just before the 370s debuted, doesn't want to be called an old little clunker. It's just so cute. No, Everybody loves my not. car, so it's not going. It's not going <laughs> away. It's my re- fourth. <laughs> but will they be relegated to a you know to a track on a weekend as opposed to? Well, I do go on road rallies here with the guys with the I sports cars, so maybe that's maybe it's just a question of popularity. I don't know. <laughs> The only single woman in the road rally who owns a sports car. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. Uh, Joe, a quick comment on what Jim said, and then I, I think we have time for one very interesting statement from Jim's list. So, Joe, any comments on what Jim Jim added? Yes, yeah, Joe yeah. and Jim. Definitely, we'll see many changes in car ownership, and, and um, whether it's um, more kind of fractional ownership or Waymo-type activities and many new innovations which were just waiting to happen. And, and I think they all have, in, at the end, very positive impact on car ownership. And I'm really worried about or interested in the impact, positive impact uh, on mobility and fatalities. So we talked about um, reduction in fatalities. Every year, I think there are about 1.3 million fatalities worldwide, 30-some mm-hmm. thousand in the U.S., and add to this property manage and damage and injuries. So that's positive. And when it comes to the point where we have autonomous cars sufficiently you know, available, it's really not about us on the phone that can drive and perhaps even like to drive. 
I'm really interested in the positive impact autonomous driving, autonomous vehicles will have on the elderly, on people with disabilities, on children. Yeah. This is where we need to focus, create those opportunities to help, you know, to improve in- inclusiveness uh, in, in the yes. society which today is very and difficult that, to accomplish. Joe, that goes back to my question to Jim in the beginning and to you, do consumers really care? And the answer could be, heck, yes, if it helps us with, with getting people from one place to the other safely and efficiently and more easily all the way around. Thank you, Jim and Joe. Jim, here's a comment from your notes here. You say by the year 2025, around 80 billion IoT devices will be online, and we're not talking just about cars here, resulting in 180 ZB Zigabytes, I'm assume, or beta, ziga, zeta, sub, zeta, zeta bytes of data. Let me read the next sentence, and that's what I want you to talk about. Companies in the automotive space can meet their digital transformation goals with innovative technology that taps into and capitalizes on, and here's the list, IoT, Internet of Things, big data, analytics, machine learning, blockchain, data intelligence, design thinking, and the cloud platform. That is a lot for companies to think about. How close are they to using these, taking this opportunity to capitalize? Jim, what do you see? Well, I think, again, it's, it's, it's very early on. So what we see is, is again, kind of a, a fragmentation, right? And that depending on the business models that they're choosing and the technologies that they're choosing from a from a vehicle standpoint, you know, I, I think I think all of the companies, both new you know new entrants into the into the market as well as the the, the more established automakers, you know, everyone kind of has a, has a mixed bag at this point in time, um, and you know, I think I think the challenge is is trying to figure out. You know, which everybody is trying to do, trying to figure out how to monetize, how to bring value. You know, where where is the value to the consumer? Um, and again, it's it needs to be very customer focused. Uh, otherwise, you won't get the adoption. Um, but you know, everybody's trying to figure that out. So I think I think we see a very you know, very chaotic, very mixed bag of of, um, of technologies and, and approaches um, and monetization models uh, going forward. So um, which ones will win? You know, it, it's anybody's guess. That's another couple of shows. Just let me read one more thing here. You say that automotive companies need to be moved beyond the novelty phase of the current state of connectedness and develop use cases that benefit consumers, owners, insurers, maintainers, manufacturers, municipalities, and ultimately in the environment. I think that's a good good wish list there. Joe Barkai, comment on what Jim just added, please. I, I absolutely agree. Um, I'm just looking at the at a deck of a slide that I'm preparing for, I'm, I'm going to address the Israeli automotive industry next week. One of the slides reads, Hype, Innovation, Fragmentation, Opportunity. So the hype and the excitement leads to innovation, but as Jim said repeatedly, it also causes fragmentation. But these create opportunities for new models. But I want to really kind of add to this the observation that it's all about the value of data, of course. And yes, mm-hmm. we're going to have tons of data, zettabytes and what have you. But we have major issues around semantic models, so it's not about flow of data, but do we, can we make sense out of the data? And because of the fragmentation, because of the excitement, these data models are not compatible, so they create uh, new barriers to adoption. And a huge part of it, which we've not touched upon yet, and we can go there, Bonnie, I guess, is around privacy and security of data. It's one thing to Joe, have tons of data, that's but that's part three. That's yeah, a I'm whole sorry, other show. 
That's a whole other show. And you know what? It's time right now for us to zip around to the predictions part of the show because we're almost done with our first half. So, Joe Barkai, while I have you on the microphone here, why don't you look into the crystal ball? Let's take it up to 2020, which is not that far away anymore, Joe. And what do you see? I'm going to give you exactly 60 seconds because we're just about ready to close out. We want to give Jim his 60 seconds of predictions glory here. So, Joe Barkai, look into the crystal ball. 60 seconds. Vit, vit, go. Of course. So 2020 is not going to look much different than today. We'll see a lot of technology innovation. We still see a tremendous amount of fragmentation and car makers not knowing necessarily how to respond. So they will continue to kind of hedge their bets and invest in technology, uh, set up more activity in Silicon Valley. They will invest in Waymo and others. It's going to be very similar to today. Um, So to summarize... We'll see technology innovation uh, in progress. We are not going to be enough business model uh, innovation and adoption. Sorry to Thank be so you. pessimistic, but that's my view. That's okay. We always want an honest viewpoint. Jim Davis, I have exactly 60 seconds for you. Vite, vite. That's quick, quick in French. Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> what Joe said. Um, <laughs> Um, you've, got, you've got 50 seconds now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Actually, we don't. We're just about ready to wrap up here. So, Jim, one sentence from you. Come on. What do you see? 30 seconds. Go. I, th- I, think, I think we're going to see a continuing disruption. I, got, I think we'll see, um, as Joe said, it's not 2020 where the big changes happen. It's more 2030 is where we'll start to see, wh- we'll start to see winners and losers um, emerge, both in in companies, but in in business models and technologies and 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 value. That's, Thank you. We're going to stop right there. And I know who two of the winners emerging already are: Joe Barkai, industry analyst, and Jim Davis at SAP. And a shout out to Dave Parrish, Miranda Labate for helping put this together. We have Michael Dietz at SAP waiting on deck for part two. Joe Barkai is coming back. A shout out, of course, RIP, our dear friend who started the series with me three years ago, Larry Stoley. Our car guy, we still miss you. Damn it, Larry. Okay, here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and get a connected car. Oh, you probably already have one. Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. We'll be right back in two minutes with another episode. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 
Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, come on, you already know you're in the right place. Let's see what the buzz on the street is. Okay, we're looking at connected cars. Here's a quote from Iona Sima, who wrote an interesting blog recently on digitalismag.com at SAP. Here's the quote. By 2020, there will be 250 million IoT, that's Internet of Things connected cars on the world streets, and we know already that there are a lot. We're probably almost there because it's already mm, two months into 2018. So what does this mean? Vehicle connectivity will have a massive and positive effect in our communities, our environment, and the quality of life, and most of that is a really good thing. But what's happening in the industry? Where is the young talent? Where are the minds that are going to embrace innovation, bring new energy, bring new new pop to what's happening into this industry? We have two guests today talking about the lack of young talent in the industry, and I prefer to flip that around and say, the opportunities for young talent. And I'm going to put a quote around the word young, quote marks, because young could mean new and fresh out of college, but lots of people are going to college today at different age ranges. So it might not mean demographically young. I'm just going to leave that as my disclaimer. Uh, first up, I'm going to welcome back one of our favorite industry analysts in the automotive sector. It's Joe Barkai, and joining him today, a newcomer to Game Changers, I think it's Michael Dietz, Automotive Product Manager at SAP. So Joe has sent us an opening quote from William Pollard, uh, who was a physicist and an Episcopal priest, lived from 1911 to 1989, and here is the quote. Without change, there is no innovation, creativity, or incentive for improvement. Oh my, Joe, that sounds like something needs to go up on a wall somewhere. How are you, Joe Barkai? I'm doing well, Bunny, and you? I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Long time no talk. That's an inside yeah. joke. Joe, tell me about, tell me, I'm sorry. We just did well, part one of this a few minutes ago, so we're doing a different format. Go ahead, Joe. What does the quote mean for our topic today? Well, I like this quotation because if you read it carefully, it's a bit um, circular. On the one hand, we need change in order to drive innovation, creativity, uh, or, or improve things at the same time. 
we, we hope that innovation, creativity will cause change. So it's a bit circular. And then to me, it's really indicative of what's happening in the automotive industry today because we are ready for a change. The change is driven by technologies like connected cars and autonomous cars uh, and so on. At the same time, society is, I think, opening up to the idea of robotic cars to some extent, safer cars. The expectations from cars are much greater. So it gives us opportunity to really drive forward innovation in the industry. And I think that one interesting question is, where, where this innovation and then push for change will come from? Will it come from the traditional industry, from outside, mm-hmm. combination of the two? That's the question. Thank you very much, Joe. And now let's turn to Michael Dietz, our second guest today. And he sent us a quote from Albert Einstein. This is not usually the one we hear from Einstein. So, Michael, thanks for a different one. Life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. I like that. That's why I don't ride a bike anymore. <laughs> Michael, welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? And tell me how the quote relates. Very good. Thank you. Um, so the, the quote is quite interesting to me because it has two sides of it. The first side is uh, the part to keep balance, you must keep moving, which basically is a, uh, addresses all the people out there in the market that has have to still be innovative and bring new things out in order to address the market and to, to keep up with the market. So uh, if you go back to the topic of connected vehicles, I think in five years nobody will will buy any car that is not that doesn't have any connected feature uh, things like that and this is exactly what I mean with not keeping moving so if a company decides to not keep moving and not stay with that pace of the market then they might be out in five years something like that and that's the first yeah. part of it so you always need mm-hmm. to be innovative and stay up to date and the second piece is definitely the the riding a bicycle part so I like to ride bicycles but <laughs> it also has a big uh, overlap with the connected car industry because uh, also in the car in the in the bike industry there is uh, topics like shared bikes. Uh, a lot of things happen in a lot of big cities. There's things like electrification of bikes, so that is a big trend. And there's Whoa. also the topic of connected bicycles. So that's a perfect, I would say, uh, pattern that we can move over also to the car space, and then you see what is going to happen there. Thank you very, very much. Very interesting. Yes, um, I have ridden a bike for a long time, and I tried a few years ago. And on the very shaky streets of Queens, New York, Joe may know where I'm talking about, and, and with with, with the, the asphalt going up and down and trees intercepting the sidewalk, it was not a pleasant experience. So I said to my friend, put the bike away. I'll just walk home. That's fine. So there we go. So Joe Barkai and Michael Dietz, I want to know two quick, interesting personal questions. Where are you calling from, or where are we reaching you today, and What's in your cup today? Joe Barkai, talk to me. So I'm calling outside of, uh, from a suburb of Boston from my home office. Um, uh, and for this show today, I have two cups. One of them is not on, well, had fits coffee, but I think it's pretty much gone. And another clear, uh, another container, kind of glass container of clear water. That's the, <laughs> the extent of my creative drinking today. Is that the chaser? <laughs> okay, we'll leave that one alone. Yeah, it's coffee with a side of water. No, the water goes in the coffee, Joe. Michael Dietz, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink that powers you up to do a show like this, Michael? Yeah, perfect. So I'm calling from the, the country of cars, so basically Germany. And I'm sitting in the headquarters of Waldorf, uh, of, of SAP, which is in Waldorf. And which is not, which is a little town, but not far away from Stuttgart and on the other hand, side, Munich, which are basically the two capitals of automotive in Germany. And uh, in my cup, there is a, a good coffee that I made by myself with my new French press. And I like uh, now 
getting hands on and getting really um, brewing brewing coffee on my own and uh, French press is a good choice in that case. Thank you. That sounds delicious. And Joe knows me, Michael, you don't, but they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And this is not even a double header. It's a triple header today. Two shows in one hour and then another show an hour from now. So it's cool, clear water and the fog is finally lifting here. You, in Durham, North Carolina, where I moved recently, they say if you don't like the weather, wait 20 minutes. And that's true. Three weeks ago, eight inches of snow. I shoveled being a New Yorker who knows the rules of keeping the sidewalk clear. 48 hours, all the snow melted. Poof! What can I say? So let's dive into our topic today. We're talking about the massive changes in automotive, and now we're looking at the workforce. Joe, let me read a little bit from your notes here, and then we'll dive in and have you and Michael go around the table. You say the automotive industry we've known for over a century is undergoing a massive change. We'll get into the changes in a second, but I want to focus on, Joe, you say these result in new workforce dynamics. Not enough young Silicon Valley types are joining the automotive sector directly. Joe, why? How can this be changed? Is it important to change it? I don't usually ask questions, but I really want to know. And when you say young, we need to define that, Joe Barkai. Go ahead, Joe. Right. Yeah, well, it's, it's a very loaded, multifaceted question. So um, the, 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 most of the innovation in cars today, uh, whether it's inside the vehicle itself or outside of the vehicle, uh, in terms of the ecosystem and connected partners and so on, come from software and electronics. And these are not traditional strengths of car makers. Uh, and we don't, we don't want to spend too much time pointing in, in some major failures of OEMs when they try to go into um, kind of complex software development. At the same time, a lot of the innovation, a lot of the push that we discussed earlier come from outside the traditional industry, primarily Silicon Valley. Um, so there's kind of interesting dynamic where there's interest in, in the automotive industry, in automotive technologies on the part of, uh, let's not give them an age, but people who are not from the, the industry itself, uh, and contrast this with the lack of experience in that particular area on the part of, of the OEMs. But to complete this kind of observation is, first, I really do not want to diminish the, the experience that car makers have. It's certainly not car makers uh, kind of bashing the OEMs, and I'll give you one example where experience mm-hmm. counts so much. And the experience is Tesla. Tesla is still under a couple of after a couple of years, still unable to ramp up volume manufacturing because of lack of experience, not because of lack of money, not lack of talent of you know young engineers. Experience counts a lot. But we and we discussed this a little bit in the previous segment. We really want to look at. Uh, development of the entire ecosystem, the entire value chain. We want to bring talents together, come, those that come from the traditional industry and those come from, quote-unquote, Silicon Valley. We want to bring them together, uh, and I think that we are not quite there yet. And, you know, one of my favorite quotes that are reused continuously is from William Gibson, the um, science fiction author, who said the, the future is already here, not equally distributed. And I often paraphrase his saying, and in this case I'll say, the talent is there. People with experience and, and desire uh, and drive are there, but they're not necessarily in the right places. So I think that what we want to do is really get them to be equally distributed, if you will. Thank you very much. Great insights. Uh, Michael Dietz, love to get your thoughts on this. Agree or disagree with Joe? You don't have to agree. What do you think, Michael? No, I, I fully agree. I see that there's a lot of experience in the big manufacturers of cars, and they they use that experience, and they that, that's really their 
their chance that they have today to really leverage that experience. But at the same time, they have to prepare for the next 10 or 20 or 50 years. And that also needs or means that they have to change or adapt new things. And that's always a discussion point. Is experience now good for innovation or not? And I see that experience somehow destroys innovation because it might be that at the end there's a, a senior executive that takes a decision and has not experience or has not understanding of what shared mobility means at the end and takes a decision that for sure is based on experience but goes maybe in the wrong direction. And what I see as a trend, at least at, at German manufacturers, is that they think about that combination of taking the experience but also being able to be innovative. And I see, for example, Volkswagen has created a new sub-company, a spin-off that is called Moya, and they fully concentrate on mobility services. And that's a combination that then works. So you have the experience in your core company, but you have sub-companies that have a certain focus on certain topics that, uh, for example, mobility or also autonomous, that they can really focus on and drive that innovation out of that sub-company. And that's, very, that's interesting. A very interesting trend, I think. It, it, it really is. Joe, thoughts on, on what Michael just added? Yes. Uh, the question, I think, for us and for the car makers is to kind of, if you look at this from um, three, three possible directions or, or tiers, an OEM can do it on their own, and we mm-hmm. seem to think that they don't have the culture or the experience. They can spin off a company, and then the question is, like Volkswagen example, the uh, question is, will the spin-off really come with new innovation, new culture, versus maybe opening up and actually bringing outsiders in a collaborative fashion. And I tend to think a little bit more towards that end. I think that we need to start thinking about platforms, cars platforms and business models as a platform that can allow even an OEM to own the brand, but actually bring total outsiders. And an interesting trend, by the way, along these lines, and it's very, very early, but I'm kind of curious to see where it's going to go, is um, kind of car um, as a platform. There's a company, the name of the company is, I can't think of the name right now. It used to be uh, iOS Cars, but actually, essentially, it's a car that you can build your own. So the car, the, the OEM can, or a label owner can bring, can build their own. Uh, Honda just announced something called the platform. So the whole idea is companies will offer almost Lego blocks, almost, that a huh. new service provider or even a new label can provide um, vehicles to their, to their customers. So think about White label cars. That's a concept that was never, I don't think was tried before, and I'm very curious to see if we are able to adopt this as a concept. Just like televisions, just like, you know, in the good old days of VHS drivers, uh, players, no one built those. There were a few companies in Taiwan building them, and everything was white labeled. Are we going to see white label cars? That will be interesting. It's all very interesting. I have a question about the idea of young talent. Uh, Joe and, and Michael, we do a series called Startup Focus with Game Changers, and we often pose the question on that series, how do big companies, big existing, uh, and Jim Davis on a segment recently just talked about the big behemoths. I call the established enterprises the behemoths in their industries if they're still alive and well. How do they innovate? Do they do it inside with incubators? Do they do their own disruption on a measured, scheduled basis, or do they look 
look for startups that are outside of them, either swallow up the startups and adopt them and bring them inside, in other words, annex them or, or do a, a merger, or do they engage the startups to say, hey, you've got great ideas, let's sit down and co-innovate, I know that's a very popular term, to bring new ideas in, but we'll keep the company separate. And then, of course, there's contract work, then there's the gig economy, and then there's just hiring the new, young, innovative people, and I'm using young with quotes around it again, because I don't think we're talking about age here, uh, and bring them in. So what do you see for the big, still-standing automotive giants? Let me ask Michael first. What do you think is the best way for them to do it? Do you have, is, is there a prescribed way that they're going to succeed? Because one of you just said recently, a couple minutes ago, that does experience kill innovation? I think it was Joe. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? Where should it come from? So what I currently see is that um, if you do it, try to do it inside the company and you try to, do, to run some entrepreneurship or something like that, it's always a big challenge of how to bring it to life. Sure, the first part works out fine, so um, thinking about new ideas, bringing these ideas into concepts, but then executing these concepts then again fails in these kind of models. And that's why I see the second two parts as more promising. The first one I, I see more as a spin-off variant so that you really create a sub-company that focuses on this and this. So, for example, BMW has created Car2Go, uh, sorry, Drive Now, which is basically the mobility sub-company, and it can really focus on the topic. And the second topic, for sure, which is very promising, is to find a startup that does something in that space. And I think these, these two ones, the latter two ones, that are the ones that are more promising and more successful. Interesting. Joe Barkai, what do you see? I, there's no recipe, of course, and I'm seeing the entire range, all the way from technology scouts looking for cool innovation that they will be able to bring in mm-hmm. to co-innovation to outsourcing and then buying companies. And we saw some huge acquisitions in this regard. There's no, no recipe. Uh, car, I mean, a company needs to be very open-minded and understand the kind of the tiers of innovation, if you will, in terms of the horizon for um, productizing it, the level of disruption, the ecosystem that is necessary um, to do that. And we think OEMs really, in my mind, the OEMs are very confused. So they're not sure mm. how to respond. So they hedge their bets. So they set up presence in Silicon Valley. They invest in, in ride-sharing applications or, or companies. Um, they set up research centers in other places. They, uh, they have technology scouts. So they are not sure about the direction what we required is a combination of kind of experience and, and, and imagination and openness. And I think I, I don't necessarily knock the experience in some areas. Again, manufacturing would be area where experience counts a lot, but it's really openness and flexibility, which is not terms that you usually use to describe car makers. And I think that what we overall need is more of an open platform approach. We need more uh, open architectures. We need standards. We need an easy way to bring new innovation, whether the innovation is technology innovation, um, whether the uh, innovation is, is a business model like ride-sharing. And we, again, industry has done a very, very poor job in doing that. We cannot even agree on a, on a standard for a connector. I have a picture in one of my kind of stock presentations showing uh, a, a Nissan Leaf driver pulled over, pulling into a, a Tesla charging station, and she looks at the plug and she said, where does this go? because the Tesla plug does not fit the <laughs> Nissan Leaf plug. Uh, I think 21st century, we should be able to figure out those things. 
But Joe, it sounds like cell phone connectors. Every, every couple yeah, of iterations, exactly. they change the damn charger, and you you have to go through and say, okay, to a visitor, you need a you need to borrow a headset for something. Okay, which phone do you have? Which model? Which manufacturer? Let's look at the plug. Where does it go in? Does it go into the little headset dot on the side, or does it go into the charger on the side? I had this recently, and it, we're still struggling with that. Absolutely. I have a, a question for both of you. Let me start with Michael. We we have a couple more minutes here. We talk about bringing in this quote-unquote young, innovative talent. Do they want to be in the automotive industry? What are the incentives? Is it attractive to them? Joe and Michael, uh, on a show about a year ago, we talked about what's happening on the industry manufacturing shop floor of many industries. Well, it's exciting. Foremen, forewomen, whoever you, whatever you call them, the people on the floor help with the processes are working on an iPad. They go home and they say, hey, mom, hey, dad, hey, sister and brother, hey, girlfriend, boyfriend, I have an exciting job. I'm part of this innovative industry. I've got technology in my hands at work just like I do at home. I'm happy and proud to have this job. So are there incentives for these this young talent, uh, Michael, to want to be in automotive? I would think the answer would be an overwhelming yes, but is there anything holding them back, Michael? Yeah, so I, I see definitely yes, yes. Um, it, there, there, is, there is a need or there is uh, some good reasons why you should join an automotive company. Um, the, the downside why not everybody's going to that direction is for sure that, that, are, that have become big companies and with big organizational structures and you don't see the innovation immediately once you look at them, right? And I think that is where... Today, young people think about, hey, what should I do? Should I go to an innovative software company that do, does a lot of stuff? Should I create my own startup or should I go mm-hmm. to a big, big automotive company? And that, in, that, in that comparison, they, they sometimes lose. But in general, they are still a very attractive companies. At least in Germany, we have uh, the big automotive players they, and OEMs. They're very interesting. So you get a company car. You, you can change the company car every six months. You get a very good salary. Some of them are situated in the, the nicest cities like Munich or something like that uh, in, in Germany. So the, the, the package you get is very, very good. And you still work on a very interesting product, which is cars. And I think all the people that join that, they are enthusiastic for cars. And so, yes, I definitely think that is a, still a very interesting industry, um, but it gets harder for them also to get the right talent. Uh-huh. Okay, we got a little bit of a push-me-pull-you here, supply and demand. Joe Barkai, why don't you give me your answer, 60 seconds, and then we're going to go to our predictions round. Joe? Yep. I, I, you know, I see that kind of behavior in Germany and in China, interestingly enough, but not in the States. In the U.S., still working for a 100-year-old company in Detroit does not have this cachet, does not have the same appeal that Intel or Google or NVIDIA have. And even if a young person, or not necessarily a young person, wants to go into the industry, uh, he, she might opt to go to Qualcomm or, or Google and not to um, one of the car makers. And you're absolutely right, Bonnie, about manufacturing shop floor. I mean, this is not an area that we have enough um, people of any age going into. We still have a gap we need to close. And then, as you know, one of my activities at, at in the Society of Automotive Engineers is to drive this change over. And this is why I, I created this kind of challenger we offer a lot of money for young people to come in and compete and show their innovation um, and and become part of this narrative thank you joe quick plug for your book the outcome economy tell me in two sentences what is it about so i already said it in a different way i 
I'm always looking for the value innovation. So I don't care about how many connected devices there or how many connected cars are going to be there. I care about the business value. So to me, it's all about the outcome that those new models that use connected devices bring. So the book is about the, uh, the, the new economy that can be driven by looking at business models defined by outcomes to the, um, to the provider as well as the consumer. So it's, again, it's, I'm sorry to use such um, technical uh, language, but the, the book is trying to answer the question, who cares? Why is connecting devices important and to whom? Thank you, Joe. We'll have to leave it at that. It's time for our crystal ball predictions. I have 60 seconds for each of you. Let's start with Michael Dietz. Michael, our newcomer to Game Changers. Michael, look into the crystal ball. Let's go 2025. Everybody seems to be telling me 2020 is way too near. Michael, what will change about the draw and the interest of quote-unquote young talent into the automotive industry? 60 seconds, go. Okay, so I think the OEMs will understand that they need to have these kind of spin-off variants or more attractive parts of the company, and they there will be masses of these. So there might be five companies below that one OEM and another five companies below that OEM, and all these sub-companies, they do very innovative and cool stuff so that they can attract young people and young talents. Uh, roles like data scientists, UI developers, uh, whatever kind of, but um, we will see something like that coming up in the market. Thank you, Joe Barkai. 60 seconds for you. Go. Yes. Um, so I think that the current um, car makers will still be in place. Uh, they're not going to go, I think, anywhere. Um, I don't think that Google and others will build cars. They are too smart to know that they do not want to go into the business. Uh, but as far as the talent, we'll see perhaps better distribution of talent inside and outside of the uh, automotive industry. And I believe... I maybe I hope more than believe, that car makers will be much more open uh, in terms of the way they operate, in terms of the internal structure, and will be much more flexible in terms of having a um, bigger role uh, in the supply chain uh, and allow new talent coming in from the outside, if this makes sense. In other words, um, change the value chain structure so that uh, people who come from different disciplines, different professions, can be part of the value chain as an integral part of the value chain, not necessarily as outside innovators um, to the, the way it's done today. Thank you, Joe, very much. I want to say shout-out to Joe Barakai, our industry analyst extraordinaire, and Michael Dietz at SAP. This is part two of a, a two-parter within one hour. This is Veet, 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 Fast, Fast, Fast in French, and Jim Davis also at SAP, who was on part one of this. The episodes will be posted as standalone 28-minute episodes. And Uli, this is for you, my dear. Uli wanted to see what we could do in an hour, and I think we did it. Shout-out to Dave, uh, Dave Parrish and Miranda Labate at SAP, and of course to our intrepid engineer, Aaron Keller, who got us through this, and yes, we did it, Aaron, and here's my call to action, fasten your seatbelt, what in the world are you waiting for? By the way, we had so many tweeters during the past hour, I have lost track, so whoever you are, thank you, and I will put your names in Twitter and do a formal shout-out, because we really appreciate when we have a lot of people listening to the live show, so you all rock. So here we go, formally, thank you very much, fasten your seatbelt, what in the world are you waiting for? 
go out and be a game changer today. And if you're young and interesting and innovative or not so young and interesting and innovative, think about joining the automotive industry. They need you. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Joe Barkar, just like Jim Davis, just like Michael Dietz. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back in another hour with a new episode of Startup Focus with Game Changers. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.